Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Who's glad to be in church? Who's glad to be in the room? Awesome. Hear that online? Who's glad to be online? You better be dropping some amens in that chat, some praying hands emojis, like I don't care what it is, but don't leave me up here looking like a goose when everyone in the room is so excited to be here in church. Amen? Awesome. It is so awesome to be back here with you guys. It feels like it's been... Really, am I not on? It's flashing blue at me. It's <laughs> right. If I shout loud enough, then just everyone that wants to hear from home will. It's on. It's flashing blue at me. <laughs> Have we got green? Nothing? Dead. All right, well, it's all right. Shane, did you hit record? Then we're sweet. We don't need that. All right, we can press on. (laughs) It feels like it has been months since I was up here. It's been like a month, but it feels like months. I have missed all of your beautiful smiling faces. Like, it's nice. I get you from, like, the top angle. There's no double chins. This is, like, the perfect angle to see everyone. Uh, And so... I was really excited when Andrew said, hey, do you want this open preaching slot? I went, yes, I want this one and the next one and like three others. And he said, we can't do that. We can do a couple. Uh, And so I'm so glad to be back. I'm actually going to be coming in off the back of last week's message. If anyone didn't get a chance to catch it, please load up Spotify, pull it up. It's called Spirit of Poverty. It will blow your mind. Like I've only ever heard it in the context of you've got to get rich and let's make more money. But there was so much depth in that message And I think if you put that on, it will start to change your life the way that it's changed mine. Amen? And so actually in that message, it wasn't in his notes, but Andrew went off on a tangent, and I want to jump on top of that and unpack a little bit of that today. (laughs) It's all right. This is how we start. From tangents, great ideas come. Anyway, what he said was this. Maybe you can't reach your world, but you can reach your one. Maybe you can't go out to this city and preach to everyone, but you can reach one. And when I heard that for the 15th time, something finally started to sink in. Because that is excellent advice. It is brilliant. It is life-changing. Like for most of us, the thought of running out onto a street corner, pulling up an amp and a microphone and going, you repent for the kingdom of heaven is nigh, seems absolutely absurd. But the idea of sitting down with someone and going, hey, There is a God that loves you, a God that cares about you. I want to bless you and make sure that you can spend eternity with a God that loves you. That seems a little bit more doable, right? And so that's all we've got to do. Simple message, get in and out. We'll just pick someone. We'll go win them to the Lord. And that'll just be that. Take no extra effort. It'll be simple. There's no fear at all. There's no difficulties. I can't see anything going wrong uh, except for the fact that it is terrifying. Like I don't know if you've sat there and thought, I should be telling this person about Jesus Oh, right, like the sheer terror that just drops into your stomach when you finally make the decision to start sharing Jesus is immense. Like no matter how the small the step is that we break this down to, like reach one, reach two, reach whatever, we can break that down as small as possible and still when you go to make that leap of faith, something will just knot in your stomach and you'll just feel this absolute sheer terror come over you. And so unless you can get through that and find a way to fight through that fear, you're never going to be able to reach your one. And so, actually, for me, the minute that Andrew said, you can reach your one, that fear started to set in. Like, there's all these fears that go wrapped together. There's the fear of rejection. 
There's the fear of losing a friend. The fear that someone else in the room might see you and accuse you of being that kind of Christian and get turned off faith because of it. The fear that somehow someone's going to be standing there with a camera, filming you, putting it on the internet, and then laughing at you on TikTok. (laughs) That you'll get doxxed from your workplace. There's the fear that somehow if you start opening your mouth and talking about Jesus, the person on the other side of the table is going to have a fantastic argument and they're going to rip you to shreds. And you're going to go in, try to convert them to Christianity and come out an atheist. It is a fear that some people have. And then lastly, this is the biggest one, the one that hits me the hardest. And that's the fear of accidentally scaring someone away from Jesus. Like going to share the gospel, getting something twisted and leading them away from the Lord. To me, that is the most terrifying thing about sharing Jesus. Like, what if I lead someone ever so slightly astray and put them off Jesus forever? And so, for a lot of my life, I've sat there, and unless I know that I'm going to be able to reach this person, guarantee 100% that they're going to give their life to Jesus then and there, I, I find it a real struggle to make the jump. A real struggle to get in there and share my faith. But ultimately, we cannot let these fears hold us. Your fear might not be the same as mine. Something else on that list might be more fearful for you. But whatever it is, we all have to start getting over this. Because like it or not, there is a city out there that needs to hear about Jesus. For Christians, we know that God himself stepped down from heaven to earth, died for our sins, took our place and gave us the opportunity to receive eternal life and sonship in God. But there are people out there that don't know that. There are people that are going through day by day with no hope for the future, no understanding that there is an eternity before them. There is no way out. They don't see a way out from sickness or from disease or from the grave or from hopelessness. But we have that and we're all in here when we could be making a difference out there. And there is a city that needs to know that he died for them too. So at some point, we're going to have to draw a line in the sand and let the fear of what's at stake overcome our fear of men. The reality of hell needs to scare us more than the fear of rejection. And so today I want to show you how God wants us to go about reaching our one. But I need you to promise before I get started that you will let the reality of the situation hit you. Can I get everyone to close their eyes for a second? If you're online, you can minimize the window or close your eyes up to you. And every Christian in this room, you have got one person that you most want to see saved. Can I get you to picture them in their mind, picture their face, picture them standing? It could be a brother, it could be a sister, a son, a daughter, a best friend. Just picture them ahead of you. And if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, just imagine you. That's fine too. Now imagine that person, whether it's you or someone else, walking along the edge of a deep, dark pit. Over the edge of this pit is just a sheer drop into dark nothingness. And the person that you were going after is precariously balanced on the edge of it. And as they're walking along, they start to trip. Their arms start to flail and they lose their balance. They are mere seconds away from falling into a deep pit from which they'll never be able to get out again. Now imagine if you had in your hands a lifeline that you could throw to them, something that you had to be able to pull them back out of that pit. Would you not do whatever it takes to pull them out of that pit? Wouldn't you do whatever it takes to pull them away from the edge? I don't think in that moment, if you were standing there with a rope, able to throw it out and pull them away from the edge of that pit, you'd be too worried about whether they're going to reject you or not. I don't think the fear of them being upset with you would weigh too heavily on your mind. I don't think whether they'd find the rope too coarse, too painful, too rough would really weigh heavily on you. I think you'd just go. 
And it's the same with going and reaching our one. That is the situation that that person is currently in. If they don't know Jesus, they are on the edge of a deep pit. And if they fall, there is no coming back. And you and I have the lifeline to pull them back. It's okay, you can open your eyes now. I'm really sorry to do that to you because it hurts to think about things like that. But that is the reality of this situation we're dealing with here. Unless we do something, for a lot of people out there, hell is a reality. What we do here on a Sunday, gathering together, being the kingdom of God, this is not a social club. We're not just here to talk, drink cocktails, walk the grounds. We're not raising money to put a second tennis court out there. We are gathering together like an army to be able to bring salvation to this city. And what we're trying to show people is that there is a name by which everyone can be saved, and that name is Jesus. So off the back of that, I know it's confronting and I know it hurts, but I hope that inspires you with some passion to rise up to the call, to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach that one person that you want to go after, to pull them from death to life. Can we do that? Are we all in? Are we desperate enough? Good, because today I'm going to unpack a game plan that will help you immensely. So while while I'm going to talk over this for a second, why don't you start turning to Acts chapter 2. Uh, If you've got your church Bibles, we're going to go to page 791. Now, where we're going today is not to the start of Acts chapter 2, where Peter gets up and goes, there's this man named Jesus, he passed from death to life, he's the son of God. Right, we're going to skip all of that. We're going to jump down to verse 42, which takes immediately after Peter's long sermon. Right, so Peter's sermon was cool. He goes out, preaches about Jesus, and 3,000 people hear that there is a saviour, and they come to trust in the Lord. Now, I'd love to tell you that after that, they all went out, preached, reached 3,000, and that preaching on street corners was 100% the best way to go and win people to the Lord. Because personally, that would work for me. Like, I love shouting my opinions at people. I like it when they can't shout back. This is really good for me. One-on-one discussions scare me, though, because someone else can have a different opinion and, like, I can't just shout at them. But check this out. The pattern for church growth was not standing on street corners and preaching. It was this. We're going to read from verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And listen to this because this is important. And each day, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. Now, if I hear the words, each day God is adding to the fellowship those that are being saved, I don't think it's happening through big sermons on street corners. You would blow your voice within a week. Like, it is not possible that the apostles were just standing on street corners shouting at everyone. Instead, what is mentioned in this paragraph is that there is a pattern that the early church was following, and each of them was reaching their one within that city, and that was growing the church. The church was not built off the back of preachers shouting. It was built off the back of normal, everyday people going and reaching their friends and family and bringing them back to church. Amen? And so if we're going to reach our city, we're going to need to start following this pattern. And let me say this, if you actually track the numbers throughout the book of Acts, 
Like the impact that the apostles had was pretty big, but the impact that ordinary people in the church had in reaching people was massive. Like we've got 3,000 from Peter, but the number of believers that came in through just ordinary sharing is somewhere around 17,000, they reckoned. So that's incredible. Like it's the pattern that fed the early church, church's growth was just simple, simply normal believers going out and reaching their friends and families. And how do they do it? Well, they followed everything in this verse. They clung to the apostles' teaching. So they got into the word of God, they read it, and they understood as much as they could. They committed to fellowship, which is this. They made the gathering of the brethren a priority. They shared meals together in their homes and made communion a priority. They prayed constantly for each other, for those unbelievers that are outside of the church, and for themselves. They prayed together in one place and made their presence known in the city. They demonstrated their faith publicly, worshipped publicly, and engaged with the community, going to the temple every day. They were generous to one another and to those outside the church, sharing everything that they had, and they lived a lifestyle that made them loved by the city and the people around them. They developed a reputation of loving and caring and blessing. And so if we want to reach this city, we're going to have to get good at all of those. Now, that is a long list. I could preach it, but I would be like Peter preaching for a long time. So rather than trying to go through this list and explain everything, I've just picked two that I think we can nail today and that are going to have the biggest impact. And I, they blew my mind, so I suspect that they're going to blow yours as well. Everyone ready? Yeah. All right, strap yourselves in. Everyone's still passionate about reaching their one? Yeah. We haven't forgotten the situation? Awesome. Check this out. So we're going to read verse 42 and verse 46 together. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You'll notice that in common between both of these verses is the fact that the early church were using their homes as a place to invite people and share a meal. There is a reason for that. It is so effective in reaching people. Because the truth is this, before anyone's going to let you introduce some weird radical view about the universe and how it was made and this big man in the sky, they need to understand why you're doing it. If you get a telemarketing call, you're not interested in hearing the rest of the pitch because you know they've got three minutes on that phone and that all they care about is getting you on a list. But if you can show someone that you genuinely, genuinely, genuinely care about them, they're going to be so much more open to receiving what it is that you have to say. You need to be able to show someone that you care about them before they'll ever let you speak into their lives or have influence on them. As has been said time and time again from this pulpit, you need to, people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so if you want to reach your one, you have to genuinely care about them. That's step one. And then you've got to love on them. And I love what this passage says because it gives us a really practical step. Take them and share a meal with them. There's something about sharing a meal together that just opens up people to being able to share honestly and share what's in their hearts. You give people food to consume and suddenly the barriers break down. There's no weird small talk that goes on around. You've got something to talk about. It's the food. And from that, natural conversation will flow. And so if you want to be able to reach your one, the best step that I can give you, invite them into your home, cook them something. If you can't cook, find someone else in the church that can cook, get them over uh, and let them feed you both. Because within that genuine conversation that starts to unfold, you'll find tons of gaps, believe me. 
Like you might be sitting down with someone and they start unpacking how the news makes them worried and how they're scared about all this international diplomacy and wars and all this, that and the other. Bam, that's your gap. You get an opportunity to say, hey, you don't have to stress. Everything has been sorted from the beginning of time. If you let me share with you for a little bit, I can give you hope for the future instead of despair. That's your gap. They might start opening up about their personal problems, about how they're lonely or isolated or they're like feeling like there's no one around them. Bam, that's your other gap. You've got another opportunity to share with them why you don't feel lonely in the same way, why you know that there's a God that's with you, that cares about you, that loves you, even when you're at your most isolated. And so you don't have to despair like they despair. And that's your gap to be able to show them the love of God. And none of this has to be this slimy sales technique. You don't need a gimmick or a flashy pitch. The point of gathering them together and sharing a meal is to let open, honest conversations happen. If we believe that Jesus is real, that he is the Son of God, and it's by him that we are saved, we don't have to dress it up any fancier than that. God will do the work. If he's real, he will do the work. And so the only tip that I can give you is to bring them into your home, share a meal, and share honestly from your heart when you get a gap. You don't have to spin the conversation that way. You don't have to try and direct them down that way. Just sit down with them, love on them, and the love of God will start to flow. Amen? Now, I love this. This is not a new idea, right? This is not something that Church of Acts dreamt up. It actually comes from God himself. Um, One of the things that I found as I was reading through this is that Jesus' ministry was all about sharing with people over meals. Like you take something like the wedding at Cana, Jesus going into Zacchaeus' house, Jesus calling Matthias Levi, Jesus being anointed by Mary Magdalene, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 3,000, the Last Supper, Jesus appearing on the walk to Emmaus, Jesus appearing in the upper room. All of them are Jesus sitting down with someone and sharing over a meal because he breaks down those walls and he's able to get in there and love on them. And so if we want to be reaching the people in our lives, leverage your dinner table, open your home. And if you're struggling with someone, again, the dinner table is a great space because who says you've got to stop with just the person you're after? If you're struggling to connect with someone, bring in a Christian friend. Let them sit at the table and do the work for you while you cook. This is a great deal. Similarly, if you're in a relationship, you can work as a couple, bounce ideas off each other, minister couple to couple. It's a great way to start being able to reach people and win them to the Lord. Amen? And that actually brings us very naturally to the other point that I want to leave you. So we're going to go back to our two verses again. Can I get them on the screen with the second highlighting? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. That's right. If you're really lucky, you might be able to get some communion later. (laughs) Donate it all at once. But here's the deal. Church fellowship, this thing that we're all doing sitting in a room and what we do out there when we have a coffee and we talk and what we do in e-groups when we get to gather together and share something, this matters a lot. It mattered so much to the early church that they started going to the temple every day. You think how tired you are now trying to get up on a Sunday Arvo and drag yourself to church. Imagine if after work every day you had to go to temple and meet all the other Christians. And like if you didn't go there, there'd be some judgy person going, Oi, where are you? Or they would come to your home and expect you to feed them. Anyway, church fellowship matters. And I do really mean that. And I've got a really simple explanation for why that matters. This is a cup. 
It is meant for storing liquid. You can pour liquid out of a cup. I cannot pour liquid out of this cup. I'll give you three guesses as to why. Because <laughs> there is no liquid in the cup. Amazingly, you cannot pour liquid out of an empty cup. I know that's simple, but it is a really good explanation and a demonstration of why this matters. If we're going out there and trying to reach our one and love on people and share with them, we cannot do it from a place of emptiness. This is our place where we get to come together and love on each other and pray for each other and receive. And then we can go out of here knowing that we've been loved on for the week and that we've got enough to be able to sow into other people's lives. If we're not coming back to be refreshed, then eventually we're going to keep going, we're going to keep giving, and then we're going to burn out and we're going to feel lonely and isolated and despairing. There's been this explanation that Andrew shares all the time of a coal in hot fire. The minute you take that out, it starts to lose its heat because there's nothing there to keep it going. And it's the same with us. If we're not making church and e-groups and these opportunities that we have to share together and bless each other and love each other a priority, we will eventually spiral out and have nothing more to give. Now, that mattered so much to the early church that they gathered daily, right? Like, we get the opportunity to come here once a week, and we call that church. But we're slowly building towards being able to gather daily. We call that e-groups. It's the opportunity that we have to gather into everyone's home and love on each other, even though it's not a Sunday and we don't have this building. And leveraging both of these is going to be key if we want to reach out and share Jesus with people. Like the whole design of church is it's meant to be a place where believers can gather together, equip each other, and then go back out again and make a difference in our world. Check out Ephesians 4. From verse 11, we're going to go to page 852. But don't stress yourselves too much because it's only a short one. Now these are the gifts from Christ given to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. God has given this place and the people inside of it to you as a gift. If you're a believer and you want to achieve the mission of Christ, get inside this room, get built up, let people share into your lives, trusted people, people that are called to the work of the ministry. They're a gift for you to get equipped so that you can feel loved and appreciated and ready so that when you step out back into that world and something discouraging pops up, there's someone checking in on you, making sure you're okay. There's love that's been poured into you at the start of the week so that when you start to run dry, you don't run empty. This whole place is a leverage for you to be able to come and get filled up so that you can make a difference without feeling lost and left behind after a couple of days. Because the truth is the world out there is draining. And if no one's pouring into your life and making sure that you're filled up, you will run out empty quickly. Now, I can speak to this in my own life because I've been there at the start where it's tough to come to church I remember early days, if I just had an excuse not to come, I, I would, I'd roll over, go back to sleep. It was also a morning service, and as a teenager, that kind of sucks. So I get it. I have been there. Uh, I've also done the thing where I've been too hungover to come to church. That's an excuse I used for a long time. Uh, obviously not great, but, you know, everyone starts somewhere. Coming to church, facing the wrath of a pastor that's slightly ticked off with you, <laughs> and making the changes in your life is worth it. Like, if you're inconsistent or if you're struggling to find a reason to come to church, go anyway. 
and look back in hindsight and realize actually it was worth it. I can promise you there's no one in here that made a commitment to stay in church and love it and get passionate about Jesus that has then gone, you know what, that wasn't worth it. I'd rather have my Sunday afternoon back. I'd rather feel empty and dry and have to look for other things to fill my life than the love of God. But I haven't met anyone that's like that yet. And so if you can get passionate about Jesus, you'll be able to look, this is my promise to you, you'll look back in hindsight and realize that was a good idea. Right, same thing with tithing. Right, I struggled with that too. I look back now and I go, yeah, that was right. I should have listened the entire time. But hey, we all learn. (laughs) Yeah, it was not good. I was still preaching tithing messages then. They were not good. But I promise, there are some positives to this. Like, it's not all just like doom and gloom and thus saith the Lord and if you're not doing this, how dare you? Because there are real positive reasons that this matters. You get leverage in here. Like, remember how I said earlier, if you're struggling to reach a friend, you can take a Christian friend along at the dinner table and let them connect. Do you know where you find those Christian friends that you can drag along to dinners? In church or in e-groups. Like, I might not have the ability to reach my young friend because I'm also young and they might think I'm equally as irresponsible. But I can take George and if he puts on a scary voice, he might be able to scare my friend into obeying. (laughs) Right? If I don't have the leverage to be able to speak into someone's life, grab someone else from church, take them along. And not only that, they're going to be able to sow into your life as well as the life of the person that you're trying to share with. They're going to build you up so that you can go out and be a blessing. The more you get involved in here, the more people get to pray for you, love on you, care for you. You win every time that you're in this room. You win every time you're in an e-group. You also get access to this church building. Because as I said before, sometimes explaining the gospel is daunting. Like, there's a lot of points to remember that Jesus died, he came back to life. There's this thing called heaven, which most people have like a complete misconception about. Don't even get me started on hell, because that's a whole different topic. Right? Maybe that's confusing. Like, it, or actually, it is confusing, especially now that we've got all these other misconceptions about it. You have the opportunity to just drag your friends into this room and I promise, whether it's me or Andrew or Joe or Lizette, whoever is behind this pulpit will do whatever we can to share the gospel somewhere in the message. And so if you can't explain all the points of the gospel, get them into this room. Let us do some of that work. That is a leverage that you have by being a part of this church. Or maybe your friend's got this weird, uh, a bunch of bad experiences with this thing called church. Maybe they're rejective of any time that you mention the name Jesus. For that person, we have something outside of these four walls called an e-group. It's just coffee and tea and biscuits. I mean, we do also unpack truths about God's Word, but uh, don't worry about it. It's, too, it's real casual. You'll have a great time. There's coffee and biscuits, the greatest thing on earth. Uh, but if that's too much for your friend, we've got social events. We've got picnics, beach days, dinners. And these are designed to be low-stakes opportunities for you to bring your friend along, knowing that they can make a connection with someone here And you can win them to the Lord without ever having to try and figure out which points of theology you want to hit or, you know, which teaching on hell you want to follow. You can trust that they're going to be empowered by a community of believers and we're here alongside you. We're a team. So let me say this. If you want to reach your one, you cannot afford to forsake the gathering of the brethren, which some of us are in the habit of doing. I've been there. It's tough. But so worth it to get involved in. Amen? How are we feeling? Is everyone okay? I know that's a lot. But at the end of the day, this is not something that you can get right once and you'll never have to worry about again. It is a journey. 
and no one of us, none of us are actually really good at this. I'm terrible. Others are less terrible. Like if there was anyone that's going to get it perfect, it's not me. So if you're feeling a bit yuck in your stomach by this point, let me say me too. I'm there with you. It, this message was a bit of a slap in the face to me as I was preparing. But as I was tidying everything up and going through my notes, a thought hit me. How smart is God? Like he's taken this thing called salvation, which was an absolute miracle. What he did on that cross was miraculous and there is more to it than we will ever know in a thousand eternities. But he took that, the entire good news and the miracle of salvation, and he made it so easy for us to be able to pass along to someone else. Like you think about it, if we want to win our friend to God, we don't have to understand the depths of this thing. It starts with being planted in a church like this and then having the courage to take them to dinner and to share the love of Christ with them. Like, if those two are the steps, that's amazingly simple. Like, no cross required, no crucifixion, no seven years of deep theology study. I think all of us have a kitchen table that we can put someone at. Like, you don't even have to really cook anymore. You could Uber Eats it or microwave it. Like, that's fine too. <laughs> I promise there are snacks out there. We'll, don't feel too hungry just yet. Like, yes, the weight of needing to reach people should rest heavily on us. We should be moved to a, and stirred to a place of action because of what's at stake. But God has actually made the responsibility of that so light. Like, we don't really have to struggle or wrestle with this thing. It's just a case of trusting him and going for it. Like, the weight of the responsibility is heavy, but the actual weight of the task is so light. And so when I look at it like that, I think, really, we've got the most amazing opportunity. Like, imagine one day we're looking around this room and we're seeing everyone that we're going after. Like, we see the brothers, the sisters, the daughters, the sons, the parents, the best friends, and they're all in here free, raising their hands, worshipping the God that brought them from death to life. Like, that would just be amazing to me. And to know that we get to play a part, I think that's pretty special. If we can get this right, we will start to see lives changed. We'll start to see people coming from the pit of sin and death into eternal life. And all it's going to take from us is to start moving. Amen? So here's what I want you to do this week. This is your homework. For the Christians in this room, find your one and drag them to dinner. If you have to kidnap them, that's up to you. Just don't tell me about it. And just see what happens when you open up that conversation. I'm not asking you to shove God down their throat. Just get them to dinner. Pressure's off. You don't even have to talk about God. If it doesn't come up, it doesn't come up. But get them to dinner and open up honest conversation and just see what happens. Just get them to that table and start conversing. If you're in this room, though, and you're not yet a Christian, this is your homework. Find a Christian, drag them to dinner, and drag out every bit of information that you can get out of them. Ask them to explain everything. Death, sin, the grave, hell, heaven, Jesus, creation, all of it. Test them. Put them through the rungs. And even if they can only answer one of your questions, that's one more than you had going in. So please, that's your homework. Also because I think it'll be funny. <laughs> At the end of the day, we have to reach our city. And we're only going to be able to pull that off by reaching our one. We could stand on a thousand street corners and go scream all we like. But what actually makes a difference in the body of Christ is loving on our friends, letting them know that we care about them, and sharing honestly. So let's go do that. Amen? Come on, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you. 
thank you that when you saw our sinful mess, our love of evil, our continuous bad choices, you didn't look on us angry or with wrath, you looked on us with love. When you saw us in the midst of sin and death in the grave, you chose instead to step down from heaven and die in our place for our sins. God, I thank you that now you've given us the free gift of eternal life with you. God, that you offer this salvation, not just to us in this room, but to everyone on earth who hears this message. God, I thank you that as many as hear this have the opportunity to be able to come and spend eternity with you. God, I thank you that this good news is something that we get to share with the world, that we have the opportunity to let our friends, our family and our neighbours know that there is hope in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we head into this week, I would pray, I pray that you would continuously remind us of your final commandment to us. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everybody. Lord, we want to take that commandment seriously. And so as we step out, can you prepare us to reach our world? Can you go with us? Can you remind us constantly that, lo, I am with you always? Lord, can you remind us that we're not alone? Can you give us the boldness that we need to be able to step out and start reaching people? God, can you bless the food that we start to prepare? Let us not overcook it or burn it. Let us not add too much salt or not enough butter. Can you nudge us to find those moments in the conversation where we can point someone to you? God, can you show us the gaps where people are hurting and remind us that we have the answer and his name is Jesus? Can you show us which, which unbelievers it is that you want us to reach? And can you give us a new passion for being able to reach out to them and love on them and care about them? God, there's so much at stake here. And so as we're in this room, we're committing to changing the world for, for the better. Let us be your hands and feet in changing lives. Hey, while I'm sitting here, maybe this is the first time someone's actually explained the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection to you. Like that God is offering you the promise of heaven in place of sin and death. And that he's not mad at you, but what he wants is desperately to reach out to you. If that's you and you've never heard that before and you want to take this as an opportunity to say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to give it all to you and accept what you have for me. I'm going to pray in a minute. And during that prayer, if you need that gift of salvation for the first time, can I ask you to slip up your hand? Or if you've drifted and you're now feeling so dull to the presence of God that it's impossible for you to love anyone else, because that will happen. The further you drift from God, the harder it is to love people properly. And so if you're feeling in that empty, dry place that you cannot function or flow spiritually, I want to offer this as your time to raise your hand and say, God, I give it all to you. So if either of those are to you, can I ask you to slip your hand up? I see that hand. I see that hand. My hand is up. I also need to love people more. I see that one. I see that one. Anyone online, please feel free to request prayer. We'll pray with you. We'll love on you. We'll get you the help that you need so that you can receive the help that only Jesus can give. Is there anyone else? Amen. Awesome. Jesus, we thank you that you died in our place, that you gave your life when it didn't make sense, that you traded our evil, our sins, our faults and our mistakes for your own life. God, you did live a life without sin and yet you gave it all for us. And so Lord, for the people that raise their hands, I pray that you would make yourself so real to them, 
that your presence would start to shower over them. God, that you would show them what the love of God really looks like. God, I pray that every day this week as they wake up, a new verse would start to drop into their hearts. God, a message of love and of care and of joy and of peace. God, remind them constantly of the life that they have in you and give them a passion to be able to share that with the people around them. God, let them know that they don't necessarily need to understand everything about Scripture to be able to share. They just need to be able to share what happened for them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would start to turn their stories around, that you would give them a story of life and of love and of hope and of peace, a peace that is only found in you. And so, Lord Jesus, as we step out of this place, we submit it all to you. We thank you for being our God and our King. Thank you that there's no one else like you, that you love us when it doesn't make sense and that we get to spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us the passion we need to reach our one. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. That's a good message, eh? All right, I'm sending these notes to myself. Come on, jump to your feet. If you made a commitment, you're going to reach someone this week. You're going to start doing something with the word you've heard. Amen. Lord, as they head out into this week, we thank you for open doors. We thank you for a great message. We thank you that it is an amazing reminder of what is at stake. We see that person we're coming after, and we're coming after him. We thank you for the opportunities. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come forward. Otherwise, God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Grab a cup of tea and a cup of what? coffee as well. Amen. Biscuits. I'm so hungry. I'm just about to eat everything. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at the Link Church, God bless.